The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We talk about stress all the time. There's so many different shapes and flavors of that that based on our perception to things, we can find triggers out of really small things. And that's where the spectrum of anxiety is is so huge. It's not just like it's one form of anxiety. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. Before we continue, we need your help. We'd like to reach more like-minded people just like you and share our knowledge on personal growth, health, and success. So can you do us a favor and in your podcast app, hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review and leave us an encouraging comment. Do it right now while you listen to this episode. That will help us know you're listening and that you care and that little action will help us reach more folks. Now back to our show. What's up, everybody? Jay Dragon back with my fellas. It's the Manhood Experiment. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we got a hot one for you. Talking about something that doesn't get talked about enough. We're talking about confronting anxiety. This is going to be your journey to mental wellness and how to overcome common issues and triggers that can just completely debilitate people. You know, right now, we're talking about anxiety. It's been on the rise globally for the last decade. According to the World Health Organization, the number of people living with anxiety disorders has increased by 50% over the last decade. And if you didn't know, anxiety is the most common mental health disorder affecting around 40 million adults as of data last year. So this is a serious issue. Again, I don't think people talk about this enough, so we're going to share some stories, try to have fun with it. Remember, we are not experts or therapists, but we are researchers and we do have some stories that are going to be thought-provoking, I promise. But before we get started, I'm happy to be back. We got the whole squad here. We got T-Rex. We got Big Daddy Dreams. Big Dreams in the house. Watch uh, your mouth. Yo, yo. <laughs> What's up, T? How you feeling, Big Dog? I'm good. Jay, you just came back from a long vacation. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, we were multitasking. We were vacationing, but I was trying to stay on the hustle. We got a lot of projects in the oven right now, but very fortunate. Got to take a bigger traveling crew than we normally did out to Puerto Rico. We went to Rincon, hitting up the West Coast of Puerto Rico with a little baby daughter. So that was very interesting. With a lot of traveling, we had some issues at the airport. We missed a flight. By the way, if you're flying and you're not 15 minutes early for a flight, if you're 14 minutes like we were, you will watch them give your tickets away to somebody right in front of you, even if you have a little baby in your hands. Oh, my gosh. That hurt. So that was one thing. <laughs> flight there was good. Flight back. We were those people on an airplane. I just want to, I think you guys know what I mean. If you've got mm-hmm. a kid or you've been around kids, not a screamer, but an uneasy baby. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I don't know, Dreams, have you been there on a plane with your Bro, little one? I've definitely been on some planes with a little one. Puerto Rico, hey, I just got to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I've definitely been on a plane with some little ones, man. 
Well, my daughter, she actually does well. We get her snacks. We get her ready. She's good. But there definitely been some babies on there. I'm like, that kid is not happy. Mm-hmm. He does not like the apple juice. <laughs> and it wasn't that crazy, but it was enough for me to feel and cope with for the people that have been on there mm. with babies. But anyhow, just I got a, a quick story on the trip that was fun. Part of the inspiration going to Puerto Rico is world-class surf and their massive world-class swell happened to be in the area. And I was like, I'm paddling out no matter what. There's a saying that says, you know, if there's any doubt, don't paddle out. I feel like metaphorically that can be used for a lot of things in life. Did you have any like anxiety before jumping in there? I did. And that's it's tying in today's issue. So I checked the surf report. No lie. The surf report, and I've never seen it say this. It says, this is some serious surf out here. We've had a few people die this year so far. So, you know, basically like know your experience, your level. That gave me some anxiety, wow. but I was like, I have to go. Then I started like Googling some stuff that happened, that, you know, in the area. And it's just people can get themselves over their head. So anyhow, go out there, have the time of my life, caught some of the biggest waves that I ever had, got to be front row seats for people just getting pitted and tubed and all that other <laughs> righteous stuff. And literally experienced the best waves I ever had, which was just like incredible. And then a situation happened to me that I had read about. I'm way out there. So you have to paddle out. And my leash came off of my board and I found myself like 30, 40 feet with waves crashing on me way out, like a quarter mile out. And I was by myself. Nobody saw me. And it was a really scary situation of just paddling, not knowing if I was going to get caught up to my board, not knowing Mm. the reef that was on the bottom that I was getting hit against and all that, but made it out completely winded, out of breath, probably was a little out of my league, but some double overhead waves and a massive just memories that I'll never forget about. But I had anxiety prior to it and I breathed through it. It probably wasted some energy. (laughs) Bro, I got anxiety listening to it. (laughs) Wow. Yo, I'm glad you made it back for real. Absolutely. I'm glad that ties into today's episode. Like really, I was kind of worried about you listening to this. So Jay, thinking about your opening when you were talking about just the stats of anxiety, and I'm not sure if that was in America or that was like all across the world in this last couple of years, but why do you feel, like I said, we're not experts, but why do you feel it's becoming so prevalent today? Is it because of awareness or is it just because things may be getting harder for people? What's your take? I think there's a few things. And to give you guys some data that I think is relatable, you know, right now they're saying one in three youth is affected by anxiety in wow. some state. And so whether that's a form of social anxiety from doing things that we don't feel like we are capable of doing or we're overwhelmed or are stressed, or there's literally that debilitating type of anxiety, I think that we can't ignore the fact that social media and us comparing our lives to everybody's highlight reels has to be mm-hmm. playing into a little bit of an effect. I can say that I suffered from forms of anxiety far before social media was a thing to date myself, whether it was through high school, not fitting in, feeling the common insecurities, mm-hmm. and still pushing through that, whether it was, again, just a part of adolescence. But what we notice now is people are preferring to be isolated and be by themselves from a comfort to protect themselves when we know that we're tribal by nature and we need to be around other people. So mm. we've seen an influx, data reports it, in addition, more people have been soothing themselves with medication more than ever. We've seen an incredible mm. rise with people on antidepressants. And antidepressants work for a lot of people. Antidepressants and therapy are the two most common forms that people use for treating 
anxiety, but we don't want to rely on those things as a crutch right away. And I'm not downplaying anxiety by any means, yeah. but when people don't take a look at some of the things we're going to talk about here today, and they immediately just go name it and tame it with a pharmaceutical, I think that you're selling yourself short because there's side effects with anything that's going to be interfering with your dopamine receptors, serotonin, and all the other cardiovascular factors that come along with that. Well, that brings another question to me then. You're speaking about these things. What do you think are some of the most, say, common triggers when you're talking about anxiety? What are things that, you know, is there a study for that? Yeah. So when you look into what the most common triggers are, they tend to be stressful life events. Now, stressful life events certainly are going to be subjective. Now, there's mm. things that could be your major stress factors, like big demands with school or work or the serious life changes like divorce or illness or death of a loved one. Financial difficulties are huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And these triggers turn into overwhelm and the lack of planning or the lack of having the resources needed. And that could be love, that could be support. And some of these cases tend to be some of the biggest triggers that people have. And so mm. we talk about stress all the time. There's so many different shapes and flavors of that, that based on our perception to things, we can find triggers out of really small things. And that's where the spectrum of anxiety is, is so huge. It's not just like it's one form of anxiety. This got brought up to me. Yeah. I feel like there's been a few conversations I'd had recently and I was talking with a family member who, who was talking about how anxiety had led to some health issues, including asthma and triggering some like autoimmune condition types of factors. And hmm. I naturally just wanted to like say, well, have you tried these? Have you tried looking into just the fundamentals in life and uh, mindfulness practice? And it just got me thinking like, wow, this is something that a lot of people deal with, but it's been something that men commonly just kind of brush off and neglect being vulnerable about it and talking about it, which is For one sure. of the best things that we can do. Yeah. No, I agree. And Jay, I really want to touch on this point. Anxiety, what stress-related stuff it could lead to, like affecting your immune system, your sleep, your social life. Mm. Are those things that get affected and what else are there? Yeah, absolutely. So you got to think that anxiety, the body views it as disorganized, unharmony or chaos in the body. So, And that can be at major levels, but anxiety on a small level is enough to just throw our thoughts off and keep us kind of discombobulated and mm -hmm. disorganized. Mm. Anxiety on a high level starts to affect our endocrine system, and that's our hormones. It can affect our nervous system, and it literally can force us to start in a panic survival type of mode where we're breathing very shallow breaths out of our chest, and our body thinks that it's in this fight or flight type of mode. And that's when you've maybe heard of people having anxiety attacks where they almost feel like they can't breathe. They've lost mm -hmm. all their thoughts. Like I've been on stage talking with people where I've had many versions of kind of anxiety attacks where it's just like my brain is fried with overload trying to think about where I'm at and I've lost my train of thought. Mm. There are people that can get that in very minor levels. And when your body's in that state of stress, all the good systems that it's doing, like as far as taking care of your digestive system, and the healing system, your liver, kidney, doing all the natural detoxification processes are just put on pause. We've talked about when you're in fight or flight, you're not in rest or digest. And that rest yeah. or digest system is where our body's recuperating. We're gaining this extra energy. And these triggers being in that stress too much 
are going to make us more vulnerable to potential autoimmune conditions. And mm. that's, we're talking about things like Crohn's disease, or you've got to think that your body is almost attacking itself like a foreign invader. And that foreign invader is triggered by these stressful situations that we're putting in front of ourselves. I got a question for you. Honestly, based on what you just said, you're speaking about how anxiety can kind of get to the point to where you're physically affected, not just mentally, because we always say, you know, mental awareness, mental health. But then this is one of these things that can soon translate into a physical health and physical well-being. And you really taking care of that piece as it manifests and say, you know, panic attacks and other autoimmune triggers, right? Or activity. One thing that I remember just speaking on your moment starts like speaking, being in front of people, I get anxious every time I'm kind of about to go on stage. It happens every time, without a doubt. There's a bit of anxiety that happens before I get on the stage. And if y'all don't know, you're just checking in. Not only am I in finance, but I'm also a performer. So I'm on stage, I'm performing, I'm connecting with people. I'm often in crowds. So I've put myself in those places just to kind of give you some context of what I'm going to say. But I remember one of my performances before getting on stage to where, I don't know, I had such anxiety. It was the first time I was performing a new song and my throat closed up. Mm. <laughs> not good. I would rather have my knees buckle and not be able to move than to perform and my throat close up. Yeah, I've had both happen. Mm. I've had one time where I felt like my knees just wouldn't move. Like I, I couldn't move my legs, but my voice was working well. So I just went with it. But in this situation... I couldn't speak. I couldn't project. So I dealt with this in front of people. And it was a traumatic experience as a performer where I'm like, damn, this is, I can't believe this is happening right now. You know? That's like an eight mile with uh, Eminem. Mom's spaghetti, baby. Uh, <laughs> he's choking. But I got to ask to that because, yeah. you know, that's something that you've chosen to face over and over again. And I admire mm. that because I think it's really courageous. What is the feeling in the moment when you know there's something that you're going to have anxiety about and you face it, what is the moment that you start feeling yourself get traction? Because I know that it's an exhilarating feeling when you do it anyway. Like, you know, you have that feeling. But mm -hmm. what is it you think that and did you in that moment start to like come back to earth and feel grounded? You know what I mean? Honestly, I went probably my whole first verse in a song trying to cope with my body not doing something that I knew that I could do. Mm -hmm. And it was a very frustrating moment for me because as a performer, your job is not necessarily to express every emotion, but it's to connect with your audience based on the message of the song. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're singing a happy song, but you're sad, you still have to put on the energy of what that song is trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, big time mm -hmm. with emotion with the emotion. And that was a tough moment. So it created more frustration because I wasn't in that state of mind. So I started to go into a, y'all ever see that movie? What's that movie? The sunken space or something like that. Like this sunken space inside my own head. Mm -hmm. And it got bigger and bigger as mm. I was on stage. Where I, I don't even remember seeing the crowd for a moment. And wow. I was that deep into what was going on with my body it was hard to get back on the stage, <laughs> like mentally. It was hard to get back on the stage and connect and remember what I was doing because I was fighting. And let me ask you something with that because I think this is really relevant. Had you had that feeling prior to that or was this early in your career of performing in front of a big crowd? Because what I'm thinking in my mind mm. is like, well, if I feel really confident about something 
this is easy. Like I know that I'm just going to continue to move through the plan and start marching in motion. But with yeah. you, was this one of the first times you had a bigger crowd in front of you or was it new content? Was it something that was new? Like, what do you think was different about this situation? That's a good way. You're always talking about checking your inventory. So if I would check my yeah. inventory in this situation, there was a couple of things. It was a new song that I haven't performed before. I've been in front of this crowd before, but the type of night that they were having, there was an expectation based on me being mm. a featured artist and having this slot to perform. So mm -hmm. there was a little bit more weight on me to impress. And I carried that along with the transition that I had, getting off of work, resting, because I still had my nine to five, taking care of people and everything like that. I didn't rest. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a little tornado or a combination of this gumbo soup of anxiety based on these different elements that were in the sauce. <laughs> mm -hmm. If I can explain that the best way I can. No, I feel you. And I think at that moment, it boiled. That was its boiling point. And it all came out in the form of, I'm choking myself. I'm literally having cotton mouth and can't get my voice to do what I needed to do. And think about this. Some people say they'd rather face all kinds of crazy situations rather than speaking from a public. It's a common thing that people say speaking from a public. They'd rather have somebody give them their eulogy than have to get up and speak in front of somebody. Like that's how extreme this is. Mm -hmm. And so like what you're doing is extreme example that like people could say, man, that's crazy. That's just not for me to choose to get up on stage and do something with that level of uncertainty. Now imagine people feel the same thing for going and talking to a stranger or mm. going and approaching a new person. And that type of overwhelm that they have limits them from obviously living their best life or going in and putting themselves out there to take a risk and move into a different career or expand your social network, which is really important to just know people and, and have those people in your circle. And that's what I wanted to put the case on because like I said, I had a family member who, and maybe people can relate. Sometimes you wake up and you just, you're overwhelmed with the demands of life yeah, and it just feels easier to sleep. Well, if you've been sleeping all this time and you're not doing anything, you shouldn't be tired. But that overwhelm just keeps your brain spinning and spinning. And I think this is happening to a lot of people with social media. The Everything that happened in 2020, I think we know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. did not help with this. Because how it yeah. affected people's daily lives, either being forced to be in an uncomfortable environment, like spending more time isolated or in uncomfortable situations forced people into their comfort zone and I think increased anxiety issues that much more, especially a lot of the fear-mongering and unknown stuff that was going on in the world. Hey, listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind-the-scenes moments. Now, back to the show. I think maybe another part of this is like how we say identifying something. When you don't really yeah. know what to call it, you can't identify it and even address it. So maybe yep. just people, like you said, being forced to kind of become aware of their own issues, whether in solitude or in rising, heated environments, you kind of really find out who you are, right? Yep. Then had to kind of look in that mirror and say, oh, man, maybe I, I share some of these 
things. And I really want you to hit those triggers again. I see like there's eight or something like that. I definitely want you to call them out. Yeah, that was my question. If you could go over those eight triggers that you have that creates anxiety or contributes to anxiety. So let's talk about a couple more because we can't downplay and say like, oh, these are just situational things that come looking for us. In reality, there's trauma. We've all experienced trauma, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's how we perceive trauma. And that could be past abuse, neglect, the environment that you grew up in. There's genetic factors that will contribute to anxiety. It runs in family. There's no doubt about it. There's environmental factors. We've talked about noise, pollution. There's a lot of different factors that are constantly out there that cause our body just to break it out of the harmony of your body just functioning smoothly in this safe control type of zone. Medical conditions that people have, hyperthyroidism, heart disease, chronic pain. You have substance use. And when you think substance, a lot of people think, oh, alcohol, drugs, and so on. But like caffeine, like Mm. people joke around about it, but like too much caffeine, 100% can lead to anxiety issues. And these minor anxiety issues, I've felt that a lot. I can be really sensitive to caffeine, especially if I don't have any food or anything in my blood sugar to help slow that down. And some people are really sensitive based on how they metabolize caffeine different medications, like we said, antidepressants, steroids that can trigger anxiety. And then finally, these are the most common triggers that are reported, negative thinking patterns. And this is the story that we tell ourselves. you know, last time this happened, worst case scenario, oh, this happens, I'm going to not feel prepared or this always happens to me type of thing. Like those negative thinking patterns create that excessive worry and the fear of the future. And that contributes to anxiety a lot. Mm. And so what I want to lead this all into is what does the research and data say of, you know, how do we cope with anxiety? What have I done? Some things that I find are helpful or what have you guys done? And prior to just giving my anecdotal information along with what I've researched, again, I want to say that we're not experts and this is not medical advice by any means, because at the end of the day, the most common ways to treat it that have been shown to be effective have been forms of therapy and have been forms of medication. But there's things I feel like we can check off first, the different types of therapy that can benefit us to work through trauma. And that could be like exposure therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I've seen people that have addiction problems used that have found a lot of help there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, different mindfulness-based types of therapies. And I do get really excited when I see mental health in the mainstream a lot more. Like, a couple of my favorite shows lately that I love, and they're both related to a similar producer, but they're both on Apple TV, is Ted Lasso. They got three seasons now. I've heard about this show now. Yeah. So Ted Lasso is this character that I feel like we need more Ted Lassos in life. He just, he's got like a fun metaphor or analogy for everything. He tries to make the most of everything. He works with a therapist with the soccer team that he manages. And it's just a very fun, loving, entertaining way of playing into the, the people have mental health issues and they spin it in a really fun way. T, I think we know somebody like this. Um, what's this cat name? Um, Jay Dragon, Jay Sonny. <laughs> he sound like, it sound like somebody we know. <laughs> oh, shoot. Maybe that's why it, <laughs> Always it got a metaphor. Um, <laughs> no risk and no biscuit type of, type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, and then the next show is Shrinking. They're both on Apple TV right now. I think mm-hmm. they have a similar, I don't know if they have the same producer or whatever but that show is actually based the premise loosely around one of my favorite books the tools about one of those therapists the show revolves around 
three therapists that have their own issues and essentially need therapists. And it's super entertaining, but it brings in like real life issues of mental health of like, wow, at the end of the day, like we all cope in different ways, but it's something we all deal with. And when we bundle it up and push it down, it's bound to cause issues that are going to come up in different areas. And so I hope Mm. at the end of the day, after we talk about ways to cope with this more, I hope we just put this on your radar a little bit. You know, if this is something that does resonate with you, know that there are a lot of other people as well that are having their own struggles. I was talking about it before. We don't want to suffer in silence. To an extent, we get to choose how much we want to suffer when it comes to something. In some cases, there's situational experiences where we didn't want these things to happen to us, but like how long we choose to marinate in that Mm -hmm. can be up to us in some cases. But you don't want to do that in silence. And I send that out as a message that don't do it in silence. Like reach out to somebody. Don't feel like you're annoying somebody or you're a burden on somebody. Know that just talking about it is a way for you to realize that somebody else is going through something like that too. And maybe they found a way to overcome it. Remember, there's nothing that new that we're experiencing that somebody else hasn't overcome. And I'm saying that as an empowering statement to everybody that we can feel like we're drowning at times. I'm considered a positive person, I would think. And there's times where I feel like a dark cloud follows me around. It doesn't follow me around very long, but it does, you know, and I think that it happens to all of us. I think it's really important to talk about that. So what are some of the practical solutions to help manage anxiety? I thought you would never ask. (laughs) Good question. Yeah, that you use and I'd like to hear dreams what he does in his life too. Yeah. You know, we aren't going to go an episode without talking about the fundamentals. So I like to think that we can increase, and this isn't just me thinking about this, this is data, that if we take care of our fundamentals, and the fundamentals are movement, physical exercise, healthy eating, and sleep. Those are the big things that if we can take care of those buckets, we're more likely to be able to cope with the stresses in life. Mm. If we don't move around, I mean, that alone can create anxiety and a lack of resilience. If we're not eating the right types of foods, and we don't have to get crazy precise with this, but if you're not providing your body with just general nourishment and it's just junk food or garbage or too much sugars or processed foods, that is going to create anxiety and disorder in the body. That makes sense. You know, and then the lack of sleep and recovery. Like if you want to play this out, just stay up until two in the morning or three in the morning and then see how you feel in the morning. Little situations... (laughs) are going to feel big. And you know, there's the quote that I've talked about maybe before, but are you facing dragons or lizards? And a lot of times we can let a lizard feel like this dragon because we're tired and we didn't rejuvenate or have that just general energy to be able to tap into. So those core principles are going to allow us to use the rest of the tools so much better. Man, that's a real moment, Jay, that you just spoke on. Just how lack of sleep can affect things. Like I told you guys lately, I got this new bundle of joy. I got my my boy, my son. So we've been going through this process, especially in the first month to where we're like walking zombies. We've not been getting as much sleep as we would hope to. And then that whole REM sleep that you're supposed to get into is interrupted based on his feeding times. So I've taken on a night shift. And typically with a baby, there's three solutions. You feed him, you change the diaper, or you burp him, right? But One of these nights, I was just in such a place where I was like, this dude is crying. It's like 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm so tired. 
what is going on? I just don't have a solution for you, dude. And it was causing me to make this such a big problem and to start going into other thoughts like, dang, am I really able to do this and be the father that this kid needs? And it's like one of the small three things, either burp the kid, give him food, or you know, change his diaper. But I, yeah. I blew it up so much because of the state of mind that I was in. I started to doubt myself as a father, as a man. I was like, can I really take care of this family? I can't even do this. You know, and that self-talk started to mess with me. And I was like, you know what? Nah, I can do all things. I'm capable. I had to kind of find somewhere I can start building myself back up. And then as I held my son, I looked at him in his eyes and I held him. And we had this moment and I saw it. And then he burped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Climax of the story right there. I like it. Maybe not the outcome that you thought it would be. It's not as like deep and sincere and emotional, no tears or nothing, but just the fact that I was blowing this up so much and we just both needed to relax for a moment, you know? I like what Jay said. Are you facing the dragons or the lizard? Yeah. I love that quote. Yeah. So check it out. Let's get into some more. So here's some advice that I kicked to some people with anxiety that helped me is having a routine in life. If we have too much time in our hands, this is some people that have anxiety, there's just an overwhelm. There's too many options. You are overloaded with what direction to go and where to put your foot first. Having a routine, and I don't, actually I do think everybody should have some sort of movement practice. It doesn't need to be a weight routine or a running routine, but doing something, our bodies were designed to move and we know that exercise triggers these positive endorphins in our brain that are as strong as a lot of these pharmaceuticals and antidepressants, and we can tap into that. Just like that routine, a mindfulness type of routine. And I, of course, I would like to say I love to convince everybody that they should make time to do some meditation a few minutes every day. I don't even do it every day because life is busy. I have an infant and life happens. But I promise you, when I have more stuff going on in my mind and I need to show up and I need to be present, that's the time that I'm making time to have a routine and knowing that's going to get me back on track. And so yeah. when you have a routine, you're able to get out of your head and just get in with the process. Like if you have a schedule that says at five o'clock, I lace up my shoes and I go run for a mile, you just do it. Or if you are dropping into a class and you RSVP, like you might be a little bit nervous about it, but you just go because you signed up. And I think you it's RSVPing into a routine, as small as it may be, is enough to get us moving forward and create that momentum that we talk a lot about. The next thing that has been shown to help, and you guys can chime in on this, is getting support from our circle, from our loved ones, from our environment. And I get it. Sometimes we think everyone around us is busy or I don't have people to talk to. Like We do have to put ourselves out there. And that's where dropping in a gym and meeting some community or going to a group like seek out a community in real real human life, face-to-face contact. I think that that can really help people out a lot. And I feel so bad for yeah. what happened in the last couple of years with kids that were forced to do all the school and everything from home because we're tribal. We really, even if we get nervous when we're around people, the more we are, the more comfortable that we do get. And I don't know if you have anything to say about that side of it. No, it taps into one of our last episodes about you know, we're herd animals, herd mammals, in a sense. We want to be accepted with other groups. So we want to seek these other groups for acceptance. And 
by doing that as well, you also gain a support system for when you have these tough moments to have somebody who you're comfortable enough in this environment, you might be open to have that conversation about another topic with them based on your comfort level. But you got to have a place to where you can build equity with people to be able to build that trust to be vulnerable, you know? And it doesn't just come by itself. It takes time to build those relationships to Mm -hmm. get to that point, you know? And I think with connection piece, it's actually getting the stuff out of your head and actually talking it with other people Mm. and just having others listen. And that is just therapy by itself. Because when you do that, you get all that anxiety, all that buildup in you. You're just talking it out with someone or a friend or close friends or whatever supportive group. I think that's just therapy by itself. So anyways, I just wanted to contribute that. Can I give you my solution real quick? Because we spoke about something. We were talking about anxiety on stage. And you asked me a question of how did I get through it? So one thing I've learned, I've started watching comedians. And whenever a comedian says something like, man, I messed up the joke. They'll say it out loud, like, I messed up the joke. And it completely takes away the whole anxiety of this battle in their head. So what I did in the conversation as I studied others get through their situations and things like that, I spoke to the audience. I said, hey, I stopped the music and everything. I said, cut, 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 cut. I was like, y'all deserve my best. I spoke to them. I said, y'all deserve my best. Right now, I'm dealing with a lack of sleep, maybe some of y'all, but y'all still came out to support, and I appreciate y'all. I want to give you the best show I can give you. And when that happened and I expressed my vulnerability, people said, we got you. Go ahead. Do your thing. Mm. You got this. I started receiving encouragement from these several hundred people that I came out to entertain. They started to give me and pour that energy into me. Imagine having 400 people that you feel like you're supposed to be giving your energy to as one person. Now they're all pouring back into you. That's what helped me get back into dreams. That's what helped me get back into my mode, expressing Mm -hmm. that vulnerability. So it's almost like the more vulnerable you can be in a safe space or the more you're able to willing to trust that environment, not all cases, but in this situation, it really worked out for me. I love it. And I was able to continue and finish the show with even more energy than what I came in with. I love it. And I want to touch on that. I think this will help wrap things up is you chose to go out there. You had a purpose. And I think that meaning that we have when we have something that means a lot to us is right in the same lines of confidence. Like if something means enough to you, you're going to do it. You're going to move forward with it. And I love that. I think the examples of how you do that, you learn to face those dragons in life because the treasure that we seek is being guarded by these dragons. And we can't let these lizards that show up are certainly not dragons. They're just part of the process that that we got to continue to move past. That growth process. Yeah, so I'm going to leave you with a couple of other quick things. There's little things you can do with acute anxiety that happens like in the moment. If you have too much caffeine, things like L-theanine, which is an amino acid, has been shown to reduce the feelings of anxiety. There are some studies that look good for what CBD can do. In 2015, there was one that shows that it has potential treatment for social anxiety disorder. But again, we don't want to feel like we're relying on these things, but a lot of people have found success with that. So look up at some of the research yourself. Just know that there are a lot of ways to treat it around building a routine for yourself. And in conclusion, it's common for more people than you may think, but it's something that can be overcome. Remember, it's not a disease. It's something that gets out of hand with the stresses of life. And by developing a routine, cultivating a sense of purpose, 
addressing any underlying psychological and emotional issues, you can gain control of your life and live with a greater peace, confidence, and well-being. And we talk about shows like Ted Lasso and the shrinking that I was talking about. What you see in those is like everyday people, whether it's athletes or your neighbor, work with therapists and help. And there are so many different resources. There's like BetterHelp, which is an online resource. There's things you can do even if you don't have that budget for it. So that's, again, there's help out there. Jay, before you continue, let me just go over this. There's things that help is practicing relaxation techniques, engaging in regular exercise, getting enough sleep, maintaining a healthy diet, seeking support from loved ones, identifying triggers, which we spoke about a lot too, practicing mm-hmm. self-care, seeking professional help. There's something yeah. you mentioned or you were going to mention, CBD? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yeah. that? Yeah, CBD. Okay. A little bit unconventional, but yeah, there's studies that prove it, like you said. So Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted the listeners to get that list, that succinct list. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I said, I hope this triggers something for you, a positive trigger to, you know, that there's a lot of solutions out there that, that you can do and we can overcome it. And it comes in many different shapes and sizes. Like, again, we're not downplaying this, but I've had social anxiety. I remember being younger and avoiding going to social events because I didn't feel like I had anything to say or I didn't want to feel like I was going to, to stand out. So it's something that eventually you get confidence. You don't, you don't really think about these things or there's, you have meaning in your life that you move through those. But again, we're not downplaying any of this. Like we do in every yeah. episode, we got to leave you with an experiment, baby. So I got a few things for you. In addition to like, I always say like, take inventory of if any of this stuff struck a chord with you, like write down what it is and an action step that you can do. Be about that action, boss. Next is there are numerous studies that show the benefits of meditation that comes in different shapes and sizes, but especially for treating anxiety. You got to just look at some sort of form of mindfulness, whether it's just gaining control of your breath. You can look up Wim Hof breathing, W-I-M-H-O-F, that helps you gain control of your autonomic nervous system. You can look at just general box breathing, but look up some just real simple meditations. Like some of them are just guided body scans or reviews. We're going to put some notes here in the notes. But something I like to think if I know there's something that is going to trigger anxiety for me is a rehearsal that I have in my head. I don't rehearse that things are going to be easy, but I rehearse that there are going to be challenges. I'm going to move through it. And I visualize an experience in my life that was similar that I moved through. And for example, another time where I was nervous or stressed out and I overcame this. And that gives me a little bit of confidence to know like if I did it then, I can do it now. Yes, sir. But a rehearsal of, again, not expecting that things are going to be easy, but expecting that you're going to be strong and you're capable of doing whatever you need to do. Get out in nature <laughs> and you know, take some of these tools that we talked about, keep them in your pocket, try them out. But I hope some stuff in there was helpful. Wrapping it up for the fellas over here. We appreciate all of you. You know, the gentleman's agreement. If there's something here that was helpful, hop on, give us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Give us some feedback on, you know, Apple Podcasts. You can hop on our IG and send us some questions if you want us to tackle anything. But we appreciate you. And until next time, this is the manhood experiment, baby. You are the manhood experiment. (laughs) We out. Boom. Hey, what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. 
If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.